Hey, this is Candace Pringle, lead pastor of Effie Church, and this is our podcast. So our guest tonight, and I don't want to waste too much of your time, I want to get to the good stuff, right? But our guest tonight has become a very special friend to Aaron and I and to this church. This will be his third time here with us, and it's kind of a funny story how we met, right? (laughs) Kind of a random just chance encounter, but it's really blossomed into a really fun uh, friendship for us. And so I hope that you catch some of his passion, tonight, his energy, his focus. We're in this series called Souls to Save. We're focusing in as a church on our mission, not just who we are, the vibrant, passionate, selfless stuff, right? That is who we are. But what we do with that is we save souls, right? We change the world with a message of the gospel. And that's what this weekend is all about. I I hope you catch some of that passion from the gift of the evangelist. So would you welcome with me our guest tonight, Tim Bennett. Sorry, we just had to have a little moment there. Are you all right with that? One person. Thank you very much. That's great. <laughs> Feeling at home already. Actually, uh, that was one of the feelings that we had, and Katie and I were actually chatting about that, my wife and I. Uh, it felt like we were coming home this weekend, so it kind of feels good. And only, hey, I, love, I love being a part of what the Lord is doing here. Uh, and so hopefully, um, the, again, Pastor Candace mentioned that you are the only ones that you get the opportunity to be here for every service. So tomorrow morning, 9.15, am I doing this right? 9.15, 11.15, and then tomorrow night at 6 o'clock. And so, uh, listen, I, I really want to encourage you to do this this weekend. I think uh, we don't always understand uh, the power we have when we invest our time. We always think about giving resources and talent, ability, all that kind of stuff. But really, the hottest commodity in the world is time. People are so busy. Can I just tell you something right now? This has nothing to do with my message. Just going to give you a little extra right now, all right? You can take this, go home, chew on it for yourself. But here's the deal. If the devil can't make you sin, he's going to make you busy. And a lot of times he'll just try and distract us and do a lot of different things and try and take you away from what the Lord really wants to do in your life. And so this weekend, uh, I want us to be intentional about getting closer to the Lord. And and one of these ways we do that, and and Candace mentioned that just a few times a year here at at Freedom Valley, uh, you gather together on a special weekend. You ask everybody not just to come to one service, but to come to as many as you possibly can to pursue the Lord and all that we have. The book of James says this, when we draw near to God, And let me kind of put a little bit in there for you. When we intentionally draw near to God, God will intentionally draw near to us. So if, if you felt like maybe it's you, you haven't been hearing from the Lord or maybe you feel like you're far in distance, you've been questioning a lot of things and wondering why God isn't doing what, what you want him to do, this is your weekend to get a little closer and to hear his voice like you've never heard him before, okay? And, and so uh, I'm excited for what God has for us. And then, of course, tomorrow night at 6 o'clock, we're going to have a special time uh, pr- believing and praying for miracles and signs and wonders. Uh, you're going to find out uh, if, if, if you haven't been around uh, much when I've spoke here before, maybe wherever else it may have been. Um, 
I, I'm pretty plain and simple. I'm just going to tell you the way I see it. Uh, I, I can't. I don't use a lot of words with more than about two syllables. Come on. Uh, so uh, I'm just a little simple farm kid from a coal mining town. Uh, I, I'm just going to give it to you straight up. All right. And so uh, here's the deal. Uh, we're going to look at God's word, and, and I believe God is faithful that He confirms His word with signs and wonders, so that your faith doesn't rest upon some spitting and screaming evangelist, but that your faith rests squarely upon Jesus and Jesus alone. Amen? All right, so uh, hopefully you have your Bibles. If you don't have your Bible, uh, I'm sure there'll be some scripture around on the screens. If not, you've got a smartphone. Uh, you can look it up on there as well. There's the Version Bible, all kinds of different Bible apps. You can even get on Google and whatever and find all that. But I want you to turn, this is gonna be an easy book to find, the book of Exodus. It's just two in. Start at the left and go right. You'll get there faster if you're turning. Exodus chapter 17 Exodus chapter 17, and I was, as I was praying and preparing for this weekend uh, uh, and, and going through it, looking back through my notes and uh, at what the Lord was doing in and through me when I was here before and, and uh, even the words and, and, and the messages that he had me speak to you, I, I was reminded that I had a message that I was going to preach to you and then God just changed some things around on us in the last minute and I preached something else. And so I'm going to, I'm going to give you a word that God gave to me two years ago to give to you, all right? All right, and so I, God's a God that does not forget, just so you know. God's a God that does not forget. And if you feel like you're forgotten tonight, you feel like you could slip in on a Saturday night and not be noticed, I got news for you. God's eyes have been on you this entire time. You are not forgotten by God tonight. Amen? So Exodus chapter 17. Exodus chapter 17. And you're, you're gonna have to forgive me as I go forward because I was talking to my wife just a, a little bit ago. There's such an anointing and presence of God that's happening in my life right now. And I don't mean like because of me, but like I'm just, I'm encountering God's presence in a different way right now. And for some reason, I just start bawling and crying. Uh, all during worship, I'm over there crying. I'm like, honey, there's something wrong with me. They're gonna think I need to be on medication. You know, I can't keep this all together. Uh, so you're just gonna need to excuse me. Uh, but God's presence is good. And I'm not crying because I'm sad. I'm crying because I'm happy. And I'm keeping all of my man cards so you can't take it. Exodus chapter 17, Exodus chapter 17, starting at verse 8 tonight, Exodus chapter 17, starting at verse 8, if you got it, come on, would you stand for the reading of God's word? Exodus chapter 17, starting at verse 8, this is what the word of the Lord says on a beautiful, it's spring, I don't know, that's crazy outside, isn't it? 65 degrees, come on somebody, God's moving in Gettysburg already. Exodus chapter 17, starting at verse eight, here's what the word of the Lord says on a beautiful, beautiful spring evening, I'm just saying it, spring evening in Gettysburg. It says, while the people of Israel were still in Rephidim, the warriors of Amalek attacked them. Moses commanded Joshua, choose some of the men to go out and fight the army of Amalek for us. Tomorrow, I will stand at the top of the hill holding the staff of God in my hand. So Joshua did what Moses had commanded and fought the army of Amalek. Meanwhile, Moses, Aaron, and Hur climbed to the top of the hill nearby. As long as Moses held up the staff in his hand, the Israelites had the advantage. But whenever he dropped his hands, the, Am the Amalekites gained the advantage. Moses' arms soon began, uh, became so tired he could no longer hold them up. So Aaron and Hur found a stone for him to sit on. Then they stood on each uh, side of Moses, holding up his hands. So his hands held steady until sunset. 
As a result, Joshua overwhelmed the army of Amalek in the battle. And after the victory, the Lord instructed Moses, write this down on a scroll as something, a permanent reminder, and read it aloud to Joshua. I will erase the memory of Amalek from under heaven. And Moses built an altar there and named it Yahweh Nisi, which means the Lord is my banner. And he said, they have raised their fist against the Lord's throne. So now the Lord will be at war against Amalek from Genesis generation to generation. Come on, let's pray. Father, one more time, would you release the power of your written word into our lives? Lord, in the mighty name of your son, Jesus, God, I command fear and distraction and doubt God, the, 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 the putting our, our self-worth in the gutter acting, Lord, as if we are not uh, been made in the image of the Lord. God, I command those things to be driven out of this room. May love just permeate deep down inside of us. May the, the, may the power of the love of God sink deep inside of us and drive out every fear in the name of Jesus. God, I pray we would turn valleys into victories. In Jesus' name. Come on, and everybody said... Amen, amen. God bless you. You may be seated tonight. Tonight I want to talk to you about what it means to turn valleys into victories. I believe there's many people that maybe you've come in the building tonight, maybe you're, uh, whether you're watching online or whether it might be you, you, you're, you've went through a season in your life where maybe things aren't necessarily easy, maybe things aren't necessarily the best they have been, uh, maybe you feel like, uh, you know, it, it, it used to be better, we, I wish we could go back to the old days, I wish we could go back to the way it was before. I got news for you, I serve a God who, who doesn't take us back to the old things. God doesn't give us old manna, he doesn't give us old sustenance, he doesn't give us old provision, but his mercy is brand new every morning. And if you happen to find yourself in a valley today, if you happen to be find yourself fighting through a battle of life, I got news for you. You are not alone. That's a good place for an amen. You are not alone. If you don't amen me, I'll amen myself. Come on. The Israelites here, they, they stop at this area called Rephidim. Now, this is after uh, uh, Israel had been in Egyptian bondage for 430 years. They were slaves to, for Pharaoh and Egypt. And God, of course, uh, takes Charlton Heston and moves them out and takes the Israelites out of Egypt. Come on, somebody. Come on. How many watch the Ten Commandments every Easter? I know, right? It's the only thing on TV. I don't know why. There's 300 channels, but oh, well, never mind. So Moses leads Israel out of Egyptian bondage as the Lord leads them and guides them and the Lord even parts the Red Sea for them and, and Israel moves through there and they go, they're, they're now marching through the desert and they go through the, uh, uh, the desert of shore and, and they get to this area called Mara uh, where they, they get very thirsty. Come on, you walk through a desert and tell me you're not gonna get hot and thirsty. Come on, right? And so they get, they're going through a dry season in their life. They get thirsty and they go to take a drink of water and it's very bitter. They spit it out and all of a sudden they begin to grumble and backbite against Moses and even against the Lord and saying, I cannot believe you would lead us out of Egypt. At least we were in slavery, but at least we had food and water to drink. It's amazing how one cup of bitter water can make us forget that God just moved in an entire sea. 
Many of us, if we would really just step back and, and see the full picture uh, and get a new perspective of what the Lord wants to do in our life, uh, we would understand that, that, that one bitter situation, just one moment of, of maybe dissatisfaction, one moment of maybe feeling lonely, one moment of feeling like we don't have what it takes anymore is so much smaller and then the totality of the goodness of God in our life through the whole deal. Because if it wasn't for God, let's be honest, we wouldn't be here tonight. And here uh, Israel begins to complain and, and God instructs Moses to take this tree and throws it into the water and the water becomes sweet and they're able to drink and they, they continue to move forward and, and through the desert and now they get into this area called Rephidim and, and again they become very thirsty and they're wondering why God can't give them water again. I mean this is crazy, right? This is like, this is, uh, this is unbelievable. Israel, get, the, the Red Sea moves for them, Right? God turns bitter water into sweet water, and a few days later, they're thirsty again and wondering why God isn't giving them water again. Come on, somebody. What are we doing in our lives? A lot of us are like this. We look at this as kind of foolish that Israel's acting this way, but we do this. God's been with us every step of the way. I want you to think about this for a moment. I'm not saying maybe you didn't ever had to go without a meal or maybe you didn't have clothes to put on or the best or whatever. Maybe I know there's folks that have been without homes and different things, but let's be honest, we're still breathing. You're still here. You're still standing. I mean, it could be a whole lot worse than what it is. God's guided us and directed us the entire time. Just because our temporary circumstances have changed doesn't mean that the eternal God has fallen off his throne. And so here Israel begins to complain again and God instructs Moses to take his staff and strike this rock and water begins to pour out of this rock and they begin to drink water out of the rock. And even here at, at, the, end of chapter, uh, at the end of chapter 16, uh, the, the Bible even says uh, that, that they begin to ask the question, is God even with us or not? I bet there's some folks that have come in the room tonight that maybe you've even said that. You've wondered, God, are you even with me or not? Are you here or not? God, do you hear my prayers or not? God, did you call me or not? God, did you save me or not? God, you promised you would heal me. Are you gonna do it or not? Many of us have these questions, and can I tell you tonight, I wanna encourage you with this. God is not taken by surprise by your questions. God is not offended by your questions tonight. God is, it, it, God is not shaken off of his throne by even our doubt or our fear or our misunderstanding, but God never changes. He is still a good God. And here Israel, uh, they begin to wonder whether or not God is even with them. And even as they do this, as they begin to grumble and complain, all of a sudden it invites the attack of what is known as the Amalekites. The Amalekites now come in and they begin to attack Israel. You say, Tim, what am I getting at tonight? I want you to get this. The Amalekites were descendants of a man named Amalek. All right, that's why they're called Am Amalekites, right? So if Candace had some relatives, they'd be called Candaceites. Come on, somebody, right? So Amalek, Amalek, it's, it's, Candacites sound better than like Timites. Timites just seem kind of like, I don't know. Yeah, I think I need to call Orkin to get, get him to come exterminate Candacites and termites and whateverites. But the Amalekites came from a man named Amalek. Amalek was the great, great grandson of a guy named Esau. Now, if you're not familiar with a man named Esau, he was the brother of Jacob, who Jacob, later, later his name was changed to Israel, and their father was Isaac, and then Isaac was the son of Abraham. So this is kind of where we're at in the moment. So Esau was a man, he, he was a hairy guy, come on. 
Come on, all the hairy men tonight. Come on, this is for you right now. I don't think I've ever said that in church before. Just to start thinking through that. I should think what I'm going to say before I say, right? And that what you do? That's, that's actually what I said to her over here. I said, Candace, I said, is it a little scary to you that you just let me come up here and say whatever I want? That's actually, it's exactly what I said to her, is it not? It just proved my point. Esau was this hairy guy. He was a hunter. He was a man's man. Come on, somebody. I, I mean, he didn't like the Ravens. He was a Steelers fan. No, I won't get that far. Uh, but, you know, the rat birds, come on. I mean, they, they, he was a man's man. He went out, he hunted. I mean, he killed, he did everything. He, he lived that way. He was just a roughneck. I mean, had it all together. He was, I mean, just had it the whole deal. And his brother, Jacob, you know, he, he was a mama's boy, right? Jakey was a mama's boy, right? He took care of all that. You know, ten, had, had a nice little garden and did all that stuff and, and had all the wonderful things. Well, Esau's out hunting and he comes back after a couple day trip out hunting and, and there's Jacob. He had made some stew and all that. And Esau is so hungry. He says, listen, Jacob, why don't you give me some of that stew? It was this red stew, and, and Jacob, why don't you give me some of this? And Jacob's like, uh, it's gonna cost you something. He's like, anything, I'll give you anything. And Jacob said, listen, I want, since Esau was the older brother, Jacob is, he's a, he's a deceiver, he's a manipulator, that's what Jacob means, the name Jacob. If your name's Jacob, I invite you to change your name. No, I'm joking. If you're from State Farm, you're fine, though. And Jacob says, you know what? I want you to give me your birthright. As, your first, as the firstborn, I want the birthright. I want all that you're supposed to get. I want it to come to me. And Esau, and you say, Tim, that doesn't sound like a big deal. Let's, let's say it this way. Uh, let's say their dad, Isaac, had like $300,000 inheritance to leave behind. It's just a good number for me to use because it's easy in, in my math right now. Let's say Isaac had $300,000 to leave behind. The firstborn son was entitled to two-thirds of the inheritance, and then the younger son was entitled to one-third. You hear? So Esau just gave up $200,000, two-thirds of his entire father's fortune for a bowl of stinking soup. 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 Not even a steak. You know, like filet mignon or big old porterhouse, you know, something good. One of the tomahawk steaks, come on. I mean, something good, like, like rack of ribs, you know. I, I mean, come on, a stinking soup, man soup. And Jacob takes his, his, his bowl and, and he gives it to Esau and Esau gives Jacob his birthright. And, and so Esau is known as a man that he, he lived off of selfish instant gratification, that he wanted it right now. He wanted just the way he wanted it right now. And this is, this is Amalek's, this is his family line, that he came out of a line of instant gratification. He was the great, great grandson of Esau who sold his entire birthright for a bowl of soup. In fact, he was the great, great grandson of Esau, a great, great grandson grandson of Esau, not just the great-great-grandson of Esau, but even the great-great-grandson of Esau. I was trying to say how many times I could say great-great-great without stumbling. I just kept going, and I didn't do it. I'm pretty proud of myself. Come on, somebody. He was the great-great-great-great-grandson. There, I stumbled now. He was the great-great-son, great-great-grandson of Esau, even out of Esau's concubine. This was all about instant gratification. Amalek was all about instant gratification. And when you begin to study and look up, uh, uh, this is why it's so important for you to study God's word. The, the name Amalek actually means valley dweller. 
people that want to live and stay and dwell in the valley. Come on, you know people like that. People that are out for instant gratification. People that kind of want to live in the darkness. They kind of want to be unnoticed. They don't want people uh, to really pay much attention to them except when they really need something. And then they try and manipulate and scheme and get people to feel sorry and pitiful for them. These are the people that like to be alone uh, to, to where nobody is going to be around them because if the light really shines on them uh, and then it shows how weak and how, how imperfect they are and how, sh- how all of our shortcomings and our inabilities, this is what, the, the, what valley dwellers happens. Listen to me. It's not an accident that as Israel begins to grumble and complain against the Lord and the leadership that God had placed over them, that God wasn't giving them a, a water every second of every day, all of a sudden it, it's not an accident that the valley dwellers, the Amalekites, come and attack. Listen to me today. You want to know why so many times many of us come under spiritual attack? Why so many times many of us feel like God is not helping us or we're far and distant from the Lord? Because we're too busy complaining about the pain and the heartache and the separation of this world and start, instead of fixing our eyes on Jesus and magnifying how good God is. Listen to me. The church is not placed in the world to magnify the pain and the sin and the separation of the world. The church is here to magnify the goodness and the greatness of God in this place. It's time for us to stop worrying about all, 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 the, all the distraction and all the sin. And I'm, Listen, it shouldn't be shocking to us that the world is sinful. It should be shocking to us that the church is, but that's a whole other message. The thing is, the valley dwellers, they want you to stay in the valley with them. They want company there. They want people to kind of be in there that way. They know they're not the only failure. Come on, you know people like this. They like tearing other people down so they can make themselves feel better about their, their situation. If somebody else is worse than you, then you're doing okay. I wanna gently tell you this too. This has nothing to do with my message. This is a good piece of wisdom for you. If you ever get around preachers or ministries and all they wanna do is talk about how bad other preachers and ministries are, can I tell you something right now? Run away from them as fast as you possibly can. If every message and every little point they they wanna make is how bad some other preacher is, can I tell you something? They're not, they do not have the heart of God. God has not called us to tear one another down. He's called us to build each other up in the most holy faith. Amen? All right, that was good preaching. All right, I'll go back to my message. So look, I want you to get this tonight. When, when we begin to grumble like the Israelites, it, invac- it invites the attacks of the spirit of the valley dwellers to come upon us. And, it's, and, and listen, I want us to dig into this a little bit more. Go to verse nine again. Moses commands Joshua, choose some men to go out and fight the army of Amalek for us. Tomorrow I will stand at the top of the hill holding the staff of God in my hand. You say, Tim, if we're gonna be in these valleys, how do we flip this over from instead of allowing the backbiting and the pain and living in the and the self-pity and playing the victim card of this world. Listen to me. I don't believe God has called us to stay in the valley. I know there's moments and times where we're going to go through them. We'll talk about that in a moment, but I got news for you. God has called you to turn your valleys into victories in the name of Jesus Christ. So how do we do that tonight? First nine is very clear. We need to gain a new perspective. 
We've got to gain a better perspective of what's happening in and around our life. Look at this tonight. Uh, Moses said, listen, uh, Joshua, I want you to get some men, and I want you to go out to the army and, and fight and fight Amalek, but tomorrow when you go out to the army, I'm going to go up on top of this hill, and I'm going to go on high. I'm going to hold the staff of God above me. You say, Tim, what am I telling you? Listen to me. Moses went on high with a staff of God in his hands. You say, Tim, what, what does this mean? Well, listen to me. When the enemy comes at you low, you need to go on high with God. When the enemy wants to come in and try and cut you down and tear you down and pull you down, listen to me, don't, don't get in the gutters and, and, and the muck and the pain and the pigsty of this world, but let's lift our eyes to Jesus and allow him to become the author and the perfecter of our faith. Too many times we fix our eyes on people, we fix our eyes on temporary circumstances, we fix our eyes on even what God is and what God is doing in other people's lives instead of fixing our eyes on Jesus who's standing right in front of us. We look to the left, we look to the right. Listen to me, the way to heaven is very narrow. We've got to be fixed. We've got to be determined to move forward in what God has for us and not be distracted by anything in our lives. Now, this is easier said than done, isn't it? This is way easier said than done. Uh, listen, I want you to understand this. You say, Tim, what does this mean that Moses went on high? Well, Moses wanted to go lift God above his enemies. Listen, if you have a sickness in your life, lift God above that sickness. If you have separation or pain, anxiety, lift God above it tonight in the name of Jesus. This is the posture of prayer. Many times we think that this, this is all about worship. No, 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 I got news to you. When you lift your hands up, it is a sign of surrender to the Lord. Prayer is constant communication with the Lord. It's having a conversation with the Lord, and the conversation is a two-way street. Many times we think when we pray, all we do is that we run down through our little laundry list of needs that we have and people that we think need God or whatever, and then when we're done, we get up and we go and do whatever we're going to do with our life. I got news to you. If you give God all the, all the problems and the questions, listen at least listen for the answer. You're never going to get the answer unless you wait for it. Moses said, listen, when the enemy comes in, Joshua, I want you to go out and fight them, but I am going to go and I am going to lift the staff of God above. Listen to me. This is the posture of prayer tonight. When the enemy comes at you low, you need to go on high with God. This gives you a fresh perspective. Listen to me. When you get down in the face of adversity, whenever you're staring with all, at all the pain and you're sitting there in the doctor's office and, 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 and they come in and, you know, why did they put that little, like, piece of tissue paper on there anyway. I mean, that is like, have they not invented anything better? It's 2020 for crying out loud. You know, and they give you those little robe things and you're blessedly wide open in other places, right? And then you got tissues. Come on, somebody. Like I'm acting like you've never done that before. You know, and then you're sitting there and the doctor is like giving you the worst news in your life and you're trying to peel I told you, you just let me say whatever I want. This is scary. 
But we get down into the, we get so involved in what's going on and we get so overwhelmed and then we try and fix it. We try and let's get to another doctor. Let's get to another thing. Let's get another opinion. Let's go here. Let's go there. Let's do this. And then we get so overwhelmed with doing all the things which aren't necessarily bad things, but we, we get so immersed in what's happening, we forget to step back and get the perspective that God has over our lives. See, here's the deal. Prayer isn't intended to change God. Prayer is an intention to change you. We need to step back and get a better perspective of this. Maybe God has a greater purpose of what's going on. Maybe there's more danger. If you would have went down the path that was easier, there's a lot more danger than if you would have went down the path that seemingly at first seemed hard, but God was gonna walk with you and be with you every step of the way. Listen to me, when the enemy comes in low, you've got to go on high with God. You've got to allow God to change your perspective. Stop fixing your eyes on the problems and fix your eyes on the answer. And his name is Jesus. The Bible says in Hebrews that he is the author and the perfecter, the beginning and end, the champion of our faith. It's no wonder we're losing so much because we're not on the side of the champion. Too many times we're hanging around with losers. Verse 10 says, so Joshua did what Moses had commanded and fought the army of Amalek. Meanwhile, Moses, Aaron, and Hur climbed to the top of the hill nearby. As long as Moses held up his staff in his hand, the Israelites had the advantage. But whenever he dropped his hand, the Amalekites gained the advantage. Moses' arms soon became so tired he could no longer hold them up. So Aaron and Hur found a stone for him to sit on. And then they stood on each, each side of Moses holding up his hands. So his hands held steady until sunset. Listen to me. If you want to turn your valleys into victories, you need to gain a new perspective. Secondly, you've got to gain new partners. We gotta gain partners. You're not called to live alone. Life, you're, you're not. This stage is giving me a complex that I'm fat, by the way. There's a squeak right here. Sorry, shiny object. I just looked over there. Moses did not go alone. He went on to the top of the hill with Aaron and Hur went up there with him. We cannot make it out of the valley alone. This is exactly what the valley, the valley dwellers want. The valley dwellers are loners. They, they, they don't want anybody to be around them because if people come around them, they can see how, how much, you know, the, 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 all the things they're missing out on, the love and the compassion and the joy of relationship. And, and listen, they don't want to have anything to do with that because many times valley dwellers, they've allowed their, their conditions and their circumstances to become who they are. They, they identify with their pain instead of identifying with the cure. We become the diabetic, we become the, the patient, we become the addict, we become the divorce one, and we allow things to, 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 we allow the temporary things of this world to tell us who we are instead of allowing the eternal love of God to tell you you are an heir and a joint heir with Jesus Christ, that nothing in this temporary world can hold you back when you are connected to the love of God. Valley dwellers want you to think you're alone. This is a classic tactic of the enemy. 
to try and isolate you and make you think nobody understands you, nobody wants to listen to you, nobody cares for you. Many of us even sitting in a room full of people tonight, you could be sitting, there could be people on your right and on your left, but yet you still feel all alone because you've been listening to the lie of the enemy instead of the truth of Jesus Christ. We allow the pain and the heartache of this world to overwhelm us. We get addicted to being alone. We don't want anybody else's help because it would expose our weakness. If we admit we need help, that means we're weak in our minds. But can I tell you something today? When we surrender our weaknesses to God, that's the exact strongest point of our life. Because in our moment of weakness, that's where the strength of God is made perfect. We need each other. We need each other. Say, Tim, what are, you, what are you getting at tonight? Listen to me. It, it, we, we need to be confident in who God has made us to be, and we need to be confident in who God has made our brother and sister to be in Christ. Let me go out at this direction. Listen, when we come together as the family of God, Psalm says how good and pleasant it is when brothers and sisters dwell together in unity and praise the Lord. Listen, if you want to gain a new perspective, this is the posture of prayer. But if you want to gain new partners, listen to me, this is the power of praise. That when we lift up the name of Jesus together, one can bring a 1,000 to flight, but two could send 10,000 to flight. It's exponential when we join our faith together as we worship and we declare the goodness and the glory of God in this house. Listen, here's, we will have a good service when the preacher, when he comes and he, he prepares and he prays and he delivers with power, you'll have a good service. But when the people come and they prepare, they prepare and they pray and they worship with purpose, that's when we have revival. Listen, these guys, this was, we wait all year long to come to Freedom Valley. And if you think I'm making that up, I, I, that is not an exaggeration whatsoever. I absolutely, listen, you have no idea the level of worship that's going on up here. And you've yet to experience the level of worship that really should be happening out there. I'm not, listen, I, 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 I want to make sure you're not feeling like I'm coming, at, like beating you down here tonight. I want to encourage you and lift you up in this moment. This is exactly what Aaron and Hur did for Moses. Moses went up and when Moses got tired, they said, hey, Hey, Moses, why don't you, they got him a stone and they sat him down on the stone and then they lifted this hand up and then they lifted this hand up because when Moses' hands begin to fall, that's when the armies begin to lose. But when Moses' hands begin to, were able to stay up, that's when the armies of God were, to, were able to prevail. You say, Tim, what am I going out today? Listen to me, you are performing spiritual warfare when you worship the Lord, when you praise him. And I'm not, listen, I'm not just talking about singing and, and, and clapping and shouting and all that, which I do that a lot. Come on, somebody. I enjoy that. I'm talking about everything in our life that we are lifting up the goodness of God in our life. Listen, and if when these guys are, the, I mean, they're giving everything they can. Are you watching what's happening up here? Or are you just twiddling your thumbs? Come on. I'm gonna ask you. I mean, have you paid attention? I mean, they are giving it all. What would happen if we all did? How different would the atmosphere be? Listen, when we praise and we worship the Lord, we are literally performing spiritual warfare. 
Ephesians chapter two, uh, sorry, Ephesians chapter one says that the devil is the principality of the air of this world. But here's the deal. The Bible also says that the God inhabits the praises of his people. So when you begin to fill the air around you with the praises of God, you are driving back the principality of the air of this world because you are filling it with your praise. And as you fill the air around you with the praise of God, God is filling the air around you with his goodness and his glory. And in the presence of God, there is everything and anything you would ever need. Say, Tim, what am I getting at? He listened to me tonight. There would be a lot of prayers that wouldn't need prayed if we would just praise the Lord. There would be a lot of, listen, when Israel went out to fight, not just here, but when you read throughout scripture and you study their battle plans, they sent the worshipers out first. They sent the, the tribe of Judah ahead out first every time because they wanted the presence of God to go before them. This is even what Moses prayed before he went to Pharaoh and led, and led Israel out of Egyptian bondage. He said, God, in, in Exodus chapter 13, he says, God, I don't want to go anywhere unless your presence goes before me. Listen to me, I got news for you. you. You would live a continual life of victory if you would follow the presence of God in your life. And God's presence will always be before you if his praise is always in your mouth. That's why David said in Psalm 34, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise will always be in my mouth. My soul will boast in the Lord. Let the afflicted hear and rejoice. Glorify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name. And this is huge. Together. How good and pleasant it is when brothers and sisters dwell together in unity and praise the Lord. Listen, when you come to church, I want to invite you to engage in what God is doing. When we come to gather to worship, let's engage with what God is doing. And when we, when we join together, when we join our worship together, when we join our faith together, I got news for you. The devil has no, they, he has no authority. Where there is light, there cannot be darkness. When we begin to lift up the name of Jesus, the presence of God falls in this house. And I got news for you, in the presence of God, there is no more heart disease. There is no more cancer. There is no more arthritis. There is no more migraine headaches. There's no more high blood pressure, uh, there's no more anxiety, there's no more fear, and the presence of God is simply fullness of joy. If we would just praise him. That seems so simple, but why don't we do this? Why don't we just work, I need a set of stairs right in the front. Why don't we just do this? Although I'm getting, I feel fat now, so maybe I need to do that, I don't know. Love you. Listen, we need to get this, we, we got to do this together. We need to be confident in who God has made us to be, and we need to be confident in what other people are doing. Not everybody is a Moses, not everybody is an Aaron, not everybody is a her. Listen to me, we need Joshua's in the valley. We need people willing to fight. We need people willing to get their hands dirty. We need people willing to, 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 to serve in the children's wing. We need people willing to shovel sidewalks. We need people willing to clean toilets. We, listen, we need people willing to do all the little things that have, you'd be shocked the amount of things that have to happen just to make this service go on tonight. I wanna encourage you with this. Worship is not just in here during the music. Worship is in, is in our entire life. Even in the little things, what we think doesn't matter, I got news for you, little is much when God is in it. Zechariah says, do not despise the small beginnings. 
You'd be shocked if you would give God just a little bit of your time how much he could do with it. And be willing to do whatever he wants us to do. That really is worship. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in the view of God's mercy, to offer yourselves as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to the Lord. This is your spiritual act of worship, to be not conformed any longer to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of our mind. It changes the way we think when we understand we actually have something to offer the Lord. Do you realize that? Just because maybe you're not talented enough to play and sing and whatever. By the way, what in the stink did you pull out of your pocket and started going rah, rah, rah. what was that that was like whoo got me what's the name of that thing Are you making that up right now I'm joking he's pulling it out no see this is the power of praise when we join together we gain perspective we gain new partners and lastly look at this in verse 13 as a result Joshua overwhelmed the army of Amalek in battle after the victory the Lord instructed Moses write this down on a scroll as something as a permanent reminder and read it aloud to Joshua I will erase the memory of Amalek from under heaven and Moses built an altar there and named it Yahweh Nisi which means the Lord is my banner he said, they have raised their fist against the Lord's throne, so now the Lord will be at war against Amalek from generation to generation. Listen to me, when you gain new perspective, when you gain partners, I got news for you tonight, you also gain the promise of God. You gain the promise of God. Listen, verse 14 says, write this down. Write this down as something to be remembered. Listen to me, when we fix our eyes on Christ and we win together for the glory of God, we are making memories, legacies, and we're building a foundation that will last from generation to generation to generation until Jesus comes. I want my children to be further ahead in their walk with God than what I am. I want to build a foundation for them to build on that they could go bigger and better and further than what I ever could. And when we begin listening, it is important. When God does something in your life, when he speaks something in your life, I want to challenge you to write it down. Put it down. Put it in stone. Get it in memory. Share the stories. Talk about the goodness of God. It's so powerful when, the, when people of Christ get together and just simply begin to talk about how good God is in their life. Instead of getting together, complaining, talking about how this is what happened with Israel and this is why they got attacked by the valley dwellers. How powerful it is when we get together and we just start saying how good God is. Well, God was with me this week. He carried me through another week. Come on. I had enough to put gas in my car this week. I had enough for food. Come on. My family's with me. I'm in a church tonight. Uh, we're, I'm breathing air tonight. God saved me. I got clothes on my back. I serve a good God. Come on, somebody. He filled me with the Holy Spirit. He's healed my body. He, God's good to me. God is good to me. God's good to me. It's powerful when we begin to lift up the goodness of God in this house. Listen to me, when we fix our eyes on Christ and we win together for the glory of God, we're making memories, legacies, a foundation for the future. But here's the deal. The battle is not yours. Many of us are losing a battle because we're trying to fight it on our own. The battle is not yours. The battle is the Lord's. But let me say this. The preparation is yours. Our obligation is to pray and to praise. God's obligation is to bring the promise. And he is faithful. I serve a faithful God. 
despite my temporary setback, despite my pain, despite what I'm, 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 I'm taking part of in this world, I would surmise that this present suffering doesn't come close to the eternal glory of God we get to enjoy in heaven forever and forever and forever. Listen to me, when we begin to pray and we praise the Lord, it puts us in his presence and we get to experience the power of the presence of God. But this is an amazing thing. I want you to think about this. All of this happened because Moses simply just held up a stick. It was a stick. A stick, somebody. It was a stick that God had Moses throw down in front of Pharaoh. It was a stick that God had Moses stretch out across the Red Sea for it to part. It was a stick that God had Moses strike that rock with. And it was a stick that Moses held up that won the battle over the Amalekites. It was just a stick. It was just a stick that Jesus laid down on and gave his life for us. Just a piece of wood. Just an ordinary piece of wood. Just a stick. But isn't it amazing when we just surrender all that we have, all that we are, even if of all we are, it's just a big old log or a little twig, depending on what part of the platform you're standing on. All we gotta do is surrender to God tonight. This isn't complicated. This isn't an overwhelming message tonight. This is simple. We turn valleys into victories by worshiping the Lord. We turn valleys into victories by praying and surrendering to God tonight. And all that we are and all that we have and everything that we do. Listen to me, tonight I wanna encourage you to find yourself in the posture of prayer. Tonight I wanna encourage you to find yourself involved in the power of praise. Because when you do, you will experience the prize of the promise of God. I serve a faithful God. He'll never leave me. He'll never turn his back on me, even when I don't have what it takes. I serve a God who's brand new every morning. And in my moment of weakness, his strength is made perfect. Verse 16 says that the Lord would be at war against the Amalekites from generation to generation. I said, Tim, well, wait a minute. I, I, I thought the, the battle was just won. I thought it was already won. No, 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 listen. When God says he's gonna win the battle for you, it doesn't mean you don't have to go through the war. There's gonna be fights. There's gonna be times of contention. There's gonna be moments where we don't understand. There's gonna be moments when we don't get it, when we don't have it all figured out. We're, we're not always gonna be able to have this all figured out in our life. Even if you were to have to go through the valley of the shadow of death, you don't have to fear anything because God's with you. God is with you tonight. You are not alone. But many times, we've been trying to win these victories. We've been trying to turn our valleys into victories. We've been, we've been trying to find the goodness and the mercy of God. We've been trying to chase down God's goodness and mercy. Can I tell you something tonight? You can never chase down God. You, as, hard, as hard as you could work, as hard as you could pray, as hard as you could praise, as much money as you could put in the plate, as much as you could serve, there's nothing you could do to chase down the goodness and mercy of God in your life. God's goodness and mercy is supposed to chase you down. Let me explain it to you this way. David said in Psalm 23, in fact, I'm, let me get some help tonight, all right? The Lord is my shepherd. 
I shall not be in want, right? He makes me lie down in green pastures, right? Come on, why don't you come be my green pasture? Come here, that's it. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me down the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I may have to go through the valley of the shadow of death, I don't have to fear anything. You wanna know why? Because God is with me. His rod, come here, rod. That's it, right there. You come right beside me. His rod and his staff. Come on, Mr. Pringle. Good to see you, Mr. Pringle. I love that. Good to see you, brother. I love you. His rod and his staff, they comfort me. They're with me right now. He prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies. He anoints my head with oil. I need somebody big. That's you, you're big, come here. Yeah, come on, man, how you doing? You stand right here, just put your hand right over top of my head. Yeah, that's it, yeah. Starting to feel pretty big right now. He anoints my head with oil, my cup overflows. Now watch this. Surely goodness, come here, Jace. Goodness and mercy, come on, your mercy. You guys be right behind me. Goodness and mercy follow me all the days of my life. Then I will dwell in the house of God forever and forever. Now watch what happens. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in want. You guys ready to follow me? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me down the paths of righteousness for his namesake. Listen, we're gonna go through life. We have to go through circumstances. We have to go through pain and heartache and questions. But listen, even if I have to go through the valley of the shadow of death, I have nothing to fear because God is with me. His rod and his staff, look at this, they cover me, they're right beside me. He prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies. He anoints my head with oil, my cup is overflowing. Surely, goodness and mercy are gonna follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever and forever and forever and forever. I don't know if you noticed, but everywhere I went, God went with me. All of the benefits, all of the good things. He followed me everywhere I went. He prepared a table before me in the presence of my enemies. God's going before you. You don't know always what you're walking into, but the providence of God knows where you're going, and he'll supply each and every one of your needs according to his riches and glory. He'll always be there. He'll always take care of you. Even if you got to go into battle against the Amalekites, he prepares a table before you, even in the presence of your enemies. He's going to anoint your head with oil. Getting tired. Look at that. He's going to anoint your head with oil. He's got you covered over top. There's no, listen, there's no surprise attack from the enemy. Nothing can drop in from overhead. Nothing that you can see can't happen to you because God has you covered. You are covered in the in the in the blessed love and glory of Jesus Christ. He's got you covered. And even if you feel tired, even if you feel weak, even when you, you got to go through the valley of the shadow of death, even uncertainty. You have nothing to fear. God's not giving you a spirit of fear. He's giving you a spirit of power and love and of sound mind. You wanna know why? Because his rod 
His rod and his staff, they comfort me. They comfort me. David wrote this psalm as a shepherd. The rod and staff, what oftentimes he would take that rod and staff, and as the lambs would get close, he would take that rod and staff and start just beating it on the ground. Because as the shepherd would begin to beat that staff on the ground, that mimicked the heartbeat of the mama. And when they knew they heard that heartbeat, they felt safe. That's why I know when, when we've had little babies, we learned this from our doctor a long time ago. We've had four kids, so I kind of know what's going on. Come on. Our doctor took, Emily was, when she was first born, she's 16 years old now. Emily was a screamer. I mean, she was one of those babies, right? And our doctor picked her up and held her real tight, real close, and just started going, because it mimicked the sound of the blood pumping through the womb as she's inside. So when she feels tight and she hears that sound, she knows she's safe. And when the shepherd would begin to take his rod and staff and they comfort them, that's what he's talking about. Get close to God. When you hear the heartbeat of God, you're safe. You're covered. You're in refuge. You have nothing to fear. His rod and staff will comfort you. Surely, goodness and mercy. Look at this goodness and mercy are going to follow me all the days of my life. Notice, I'm not chasing them down. I'm not looking for them. I'm following God. He's preparing me. Everywhere I go, he's taking care of me. And as he's taking care of me, he's, he's got my mind taken care of. He's over top of me. I've got my rod and staff. They're comforting me. And because of all that, I'm simply living in the refuge and the safety of the blessed hope of Jesus Christ that I will dwell in the house of God forever and forever and forever. I don't have to go chasing goodness and mercy down. They follow me because I'm following him. That's the God we serve tonight. Thanks, guys. That's the God we serve tonight. I don't know where you are in your life. I don't know what valley you're going through, but I want you to know you do not have to go at it alone anymore. Don't allow the enemy to lie to you and tell you you're the only one that's ever went through it, that nobody wants to listen, nobody wants to care, nobody wants to give you a time of day. I got news for you. If, even if the whole world turns their back on you, listen to me, the rain falls on the just and the unjust. In this world, we will have trouble. We will have fear. But be of good cheer. I have overcome the world, Jesus said. Even if the whole world comes against you, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the whole world. You are not alone tonight. Tonight, I dare you to lift up praise and glory in this house. I dare you to stop magnifying the pain and the heartache and the circumstances of this world and start lifting up the goodness and the glory and, the, and how good Jesus is in our lives. I'm not telling you uh, because of the temporary, you know, little temporary blessings, you get a raise, you get that, you get, all that stuff's good and God definitely leads us down those paths. But I got news to you. My walk with God is not determined by temporary gains. My walk with God is determined by the prize. My eyes are fixed on Jesus. My eyes are set on him. And right now, Jesus is set at the right hand of God the Father, and he is interceding for you and for me, and he's waiting for the Father to nudge him and say, Son, go get him. So I don't need to have my eyes fixed on the temporary blessings of this world. They come naturally when I follow him supernaturally. Tonight, I dare you to gain a new perspective. 
If the enemy's tried to come at you low, come on, the enemy fights dirty. When the world does you dirty, I would don't get down in the, in the mud and the pain of this world. Lift up Jesus. Put on a garment of praise instead of the spirit of heaviness. Give God the glory and honor he deserves. Then gain new partners. I dare you this week to come to as many services as you possibly can. I dare you to give the devil a heart attack and show up to church at 9 o'clock tomorrow morning. In this house right now, I declare every valley is becoming a victory in the name of Jesus. The areas that you thought were weak, that you thought you didn't have what it takes, you thought nobody ever cared, you you thought it was a promise that it was never gonna happen, God was never gonna take care of it for you. Listen to me tonight, in the name of Jesus, if you would lift your hands and your heart and your voice to the Lord and we would join our faith and our worship together, I tell you right now, the devil will have nothing on you, the world will have nothing on you, no pain or temporary setback is going to keep you from the glory and the goodness and the presence of God in this place. Come on, would you stand to your feet with me tonight? Hallelujah. Before we go any further, I want you to know something. This is the most important part of all that we do. All weekend long, every service, we're gonna have this moment right now. I believe God has placed me on planet Earth for this reason, these moments to reach out to those that maybe you feel like you're far and distant from God and you're not serving Him. You're not following Jesus in your life. And I, I don't want to be morbid or, you know, trying, I'm not trying to scare you tonight, but here's the reality of it. Everybody's going to go sooner or later. Everybody's going to die. As much as I love and tomorrow night we're going to gather around and God's going to do miracles and signs and wonders in this house, it's going to be, I mean, it's going to be awesome. And just this last Monday night, I watched a guy get out of a wheelchair in Harrisburg. Lady laid down a guy. I mean, God's good. As much as I love seeing those temporary things taken care of, the biggest miracle, the most important of them all, is making sure our eternity is secure. So tonight I'm asking you whether or not you're following Jesus. When life ends, Will you spend eternity in heaven with him? Or will you spend eternity away from him in hell? Everybody's gonna live forever. The question is where? This is your moment right now. Before we go any further, before we do anything else, I'm gonna give you an opportunity to be connected to the love of God. He'll take your sin and throw him as far as the east is from the west. You will become a brand new creation in Jesus' name. I'm not telling you life's gonna get easy, but what I'm telling you is when you gotta go through those valleys, you don't have to go through them alone anymore. If you're here and say, Tim, I need to make a decision to follow Jesus. Listen, many of you maybe remember, but I, I don't do the bow your head, close your eyes things. There's moments for that, but I don't, this is not one of them. The Bible says in the book of Luke that when just one sinner comes home, the angels of God rejoice. So this is not a moment to, this is not a funeral, this is a resurrection. This is a coming to life. If you're here today and say, Tim, I need to make a decision to follow Jesus. I'm gonna give you an opportunity right now to make that decision. Everybody is going to say yes or no right now. Everybody in the room. 
Everybody in the room is going to make a decision. And even just by sitting back and saying, oh, I'll decide later. No, you're saying no. It's either yes or no. There's no middle ground. It's heaven or hell. There's no middle ground. You're either in or you're out. Tonight, I want to make sure you're counted in. When this world's over, when life is over, I want you to spend eternity in heaven with me and Jesus. This is going to be a good time. I mean, you think we have fun now. You think we have fun now. You ain't seen nothing yet. If you're in the house and you know you need to make a decision to follow Jesus, I'm going to give you an opportunity right now. I'm simply going to count the three just to bring us to that point of decision. When I say three and you say, Tim, I need to make a decision to follow him, I'm going to ask you to lift your hand as high as you can. It's just saying, God, that's me. I'm surrendering to Jesus. Listen, don't worry about what anybody else thinks. Don't worry about what anybody else It wants. Listen, nobody else can save you but Jesus. You're going to stand in front of Jesus by yourself one day and have to answer and give an account for your life. I want you to be found faithful in Jesus' name. If that's you tonight, say, Tim, I need to make a decision to follow Jesus. Maybe you never have, or maybe you simply, you've just not been following him late, and you know you need to get right with God tonight. You know who you are. I don't need to explain this to you. God's been working on you for a little while now. This is your moment. This is your moment. God's slowing everything down for you right now. Don't want you to be hurried. Make a conscious decision for life. This is for you. When I say three, accept the love and the grace of Jesus. Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus. This never gets old. Jason, you know, you're going to be stay, you're going to stay connected here for a while. You're going to reach thousands, man. You're going to be leading more people to Christ in ways that you never thought you were going to before. The dreams and the things that God did in your, I'm telling you, they're real. What he's told you before is going to happen. Listen, if you just raised your hand, and maybe you didn't and you wish you did, listen, this is where I'm going to ask you to get a little bold, but I can promise you, you already heard these people are ecstatic. This is, there is no condemnation in this moment. This is joy. This is joy. I love this part. And it's kind of selfish on my part as well because I want to personally shake your hand. All right? So here's what I'm going to do. If you just raise your hand in just a moment, I'm going to invite you to come and stand with me. We are going to pray a prayer together. All of us in the room, we're all going to pray this prayer. I'm telling you, life will never be the same again. Listen, if you just raise your hand, I want you right now as fast as you can. As they, If they give you the biggest ovation they've done tonight, come on. If you raise your hand, I want you to come join me as fast as you can in this house. Oh, come on. How would you act if it was your brother, your sister, your mom, your dad? Come on. Give God glory in this house tonight. Yeah. That's it. Come on in close. I won't bite. Yeah. Hallelujah. What a good God we serve. Amen. What a good God we serve. Now, I think we have our prayer team. If, if you guys could kind of come and just be with us for a moment, that'd be awesome. Those that you know who you are, appreciate you very much. These are people that love you. We're all going to pray together right now. Everybody in the room, we're going to pray, including my friends, all right? This is the best decision you all ever made, all right? You're not doing this alone. I can promise you this. Everybody that will ever spend eternity in heaven will have made this same decision. No doubt. No doubt. 
Listen, I want us all to pray this prayer together right now, all right? This is real simple. The Bible says we believe in our heart, but we also confess with our mouth, okay? So this is real simple. You don't have to pray this prayer word for word, but you do need to mean it, and we need to say it out loud, all right? So everybody tonight, I promise, everybody in the room, I want you to pray this prayer with me. I promise this prayer will not damage your soul, all right? I want everybody to pray this prayer. Say, Jesus. I'll come on all across this room tonight. Say, Jesus. I admit that I need you. I believe that you are God. And I confess you as the Lord of my life. From this night on, I will trust the Lord. Thank you, Jesus, that heaven is now my home. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen, amen. Come on, give God a big shout in this house tonight. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you made a decision to follow Jesus, please let us know by going to fv.church slash IMN. And remember to download our app for more content and helpful links. what we just preached. Come on, all across this room right now. I want you to lift your hands, lift your heart, lift your voice to the Lord. Come on, let's sing and declare the glory of God in this house one time before we go home tonight. In Jesus' name, let's lead us tonight. Go ahead. Speak to me when the silence steals my voice. You understand me. You understand me. where you are tonight. You're not alone. He's with you right now.
some of you, I should say some of us, because it's me too. But we, we tend to allow the world to, to encroach upon our thoughts, right? To take a little bit here and a little bit there, and we don't fully focus on Jesus. And I know it's late, but we're going to take another couple of minutes and focus. If you're like me and maybe you need to repent today, give things to God that you've been giving too much of your focus to, come down to the front. This is, this is a stage, it's a, it's a normal place, just a piece of wood like Tim said, but it's an altar because we give it significance. Today, come and leave that stuff at the altar. It doesn't have to be big stuff. Maybe it's just something you've been allowing to take up too much room in your mind. Some complaints you've been focusing on, some people that have left you, some situations in your life that aren't exactly ideal. Just let it here. Let it here. Continue to sing, and we're going to, together, come forward, repent, leave it here with God. Have an honest conversation with Him. Just get honest with Him. God, I messed up. I give this thing too much focus. I think too much and praise too little. Whatever it is, come give it to God. Father, we receive your rest. We receive your peace. We receive your hope and joy for the future. Receive the freedom that comes with letting the stuff, the past, the controlling nature of our thoughts, leaving it all behind. We leave depression behind today. Leave anxiety behind today. We leave debt and fear and shame. Leave it behind and we're choosing to walk into your freedom, into your hope, into your joy today. 
knowing that you go before us. You prepare a table before us in the presence of our enemies, not in the absence of them. We're not asking you to wipe out every obstacle. Just be with us as we hurdle those obstacles, one after another. Thank you for the hope, your presence, your peace, your joy. God, thank you for your repentance, for your discipline. Thank you for bringing us to this place tonight to get free. Thank you, Jesus, for what you did on that cross so many years ago. It's still so relevant and so true and so life-changing today. Thank you, Jesus. Listen, I don't want to interrupt what's going on up here. We're going to allow this moment to continue a little longer. But if you made a decision to follow Jesus tonight, there's going to be a number on the screen to text. If, if you took a card, don't forget to hand it to somebody on the way out because the decision you made tonight doesn't end here. It doesn't end tonight. You need a, a family of people around you to love you and nurture you through the process of getting free in Jesus' name. We want to be that for you. Freedom Valley Church wants to be that family, help you through that process, get connected, right? Find a partner, a partner in your faith, somebody who can walk alongside you and say, yeah, I've been here before. I've given it to Jesus. It's okay. It's not scary, right? Here's where to go in the Bible to find the answers that you so desperately need. Text the number on the screen. Give that card to somebody and we'll get it in contact with you. We want to be that family around you. And for Freedom Valley, it doesn't end here tonight. Right? We have all day of epicness coming your way tomorrow. Come back tomorrow, but don't come alone. Bring a friend along with you. Don't sit alone in church. Bring somebody along with you. We're going to be down here for prayer, prayer team, and uh, Tim will be down here to pray with you before you go. If you didn't get what you needed to get settled tonight, get it settled before you go. Partner with someone in prayer. Let us pray prayers of faith over you before you leave today. Okay, can I pray one more time a prayer of blessing before we go? Father, thank you for this word. We receive it. We believe it. Thank you for your word. God, help us to walk out of here a changed people, a united people, because we've got a job to do. We've got souls to save. God, help us get free because there may be a thousand people on the other side of our freedom that need us desperately. Our testimony, our words, our story, help us get free and walk into the hope and the peace and what you have for us. I bless this people in Jesus' name. Thank you for your favor. Amen. Amen. Have a good night, Freedom Valley. We'll see you all tomorrow morning, 9.15.